Thank you for listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. If you're in the greater Boston area and are wanting to grow in your walk with God, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information about our service times. Every year, Christmas at IFC has been a favorite tradition, and this year is no different. There will be something for the whole family to enjoy. We'll start the celebration on Sunday, December 23rd, with a memorable Christmas worship experience and inspiring message from our lead pastor, Jonathan Del Turco, at our normal service times. But the celebration won't stop there. We'll continue on Monday, December 24th at both 4 and 5.30 for our annual candlelight service. We'll see you on Sunday, December 23rd at 8.45, 10.30, and 12.15, and Monday, December 24th at 4 and 5.30. Now here's part one of our brand new series, Love Has a Name. Are you ready for God's Word this morning? We're going to start a brand new series, so we thank God for His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word that we're about to receive. We receive it with high respect. We receive it knowing there's going to be answers to our questions. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. We believe this word will fall on good ground and produce great fruit in our lives. We'll be so careful to give you all the honor and glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Welcome to part one in a three-part series entitled, Love Has a Name. Didn't you enjoy that song today? Perfect. Love has a name. We're going to get to that in a moment. I have good news for some and bad news for others. We have 16 days left until Christmas. Some of you are, yay! (laughs) Some of you are, oh no, right? Because we have a lot to do to get ready for Christmas. Some of us haven't started yet. Maybe some of you are way ahead of the curve and and you're ready to go. But between the busyness, the traffic, and the list of all the gifts we have to buy and the constant searching for parking spaces and and, uh, credit card, no credit card, rude people, family drama, food preparation, right? The list goes on and on of what needs to be done before Christmas. Now, if you would ask me, in the midst of all the hustle and bustle, What was one word that would describe uh, the people that I come in contact with, especially around the holiday season? It would be one word, hopelessness. Hopelessness, especially during this holiday season. It seems to, to prevail throughout the year, but it seems to be magnified during this holiday season. Hopelessness. Wow. It's so true that so many people are dealing with hopelessness in their lives. Just this past Friday night in one of our special services we just had, three different people came up to me and said that they were fighting hopelessness and dealing with this dark cloud of hopelessness. Two of them were because of continuing health challenges that seemed to not be getting better. And the third was a family crisis that is getting worse and worse and very concerned about whether their family will survive this dark time. Hopelessness. Man, it's very real, isn't it? It is so real. And we understand how real it is. And we, all of us can relate to it, whether it's something we're dealing with right now or something we've dealt with in the past. It is something that all of us have understood. And so today I want to talk to you about the power of hope. The power of hope. Here's our big takeaway. Here's the point I want to make sure you go home with today. When life becomes hopeless to you, what or who do you turn to? When life becomes hopeless to you, and if it hasn't already, it will, or maybe at one time did, 
what or who do you turn to? Well, in Job chapter 8, one of Job's friends called Bildad has a speech. In this speech, he's talking about the condition of the world. It's very interesting. He uses this particular phrase that I've read years ago and thought, well, that really does speak well of our times. Imagine a phrase used 1,500 years before the birth of Jesus would be just as applicable today in the 21st century. And each one of us can relate to this and know that it's true. In Job chapter 8, Job chapter 8, verse 13, he said this in his speech, those who forget God have no hope. Isn't that the truth? Those who forget God have no hope. Now, that is so true, something we can't ignore, because the further away you get from God, the more hopeless you are. In fact, the opposite is also true. The closer you get to God, the more hope, the, 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 the more hope you do have, right? And so I've realized, and, and in my experience with working with people all these years, man, I can attest to the fact confidently, there's just no doubt in my mind that the most hopeful people on the face of the planet are those who are close to God. And I can also confirm and confidently say that those that are, are the most hopeless are those who are far from God. So true. So many people put their hope in so many other things. Those who, put their, who don't put their hope in God, by default, are going to put their hope in some kind of power they feel can bring change. So some people put their hope in the government, and some people put their hope in protest, and some people put their hope in education, politics, money, power, because they feel like something of, of greater power than me needs to bring change. And so we realize that there are many of us amongst us who forget God and have no hope. And what our culture needs today, I'm sure you'll agree, is a fresh infusion of hope. How many would agree with that? Amen. Amen. See, without life, life has a way of getting pretty dark pretty fast. So true. Let's take a few minutes. Let's define hope today. And what is real hope? But before we do that, let's first of all make a decision and find out about what it's not. What it's not. So let me give you one example of what hope is not. Hope is not, let me say it, hope is not optimism. Hope and optimism are not the same thing. We understand optimism is a positive mental attitude, and optimism is looking on the more favorable side of events, even when they don't look so great. And optimism is the feeling that in the future, good things are more likely to happen to me than bad things. And opt optimism is trying to convince yourself that something um, is true when you know in your heart it's not. Depending on the person's level of optimism will depend upon whether optimism um, is in your life bringing you the true reality of what is like. Because oftentimes you can deny the real reality of what's going on in your life. Isn't that true? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of optimism. I believe in optimism. I really do. I believe I, I would rather be an optimist than a pessimist, right? right? 
always looking at life so negative and always doom and gloom and always looking for the worst case scenario uh, that might be around the bend and how true that is. And so uh, as, as much as I believe in optimism, and I'm a, I'm a half full, glass half full kind of guy, and all my personality assessments, strength finders, and the, the, the lot of them, uh, positivity is always in my top five. So I believe in optimis, optimism. I am definitely an optimist. But as much as I believe in optimism, optimism will not change the world. Optimism says it's not as bad as it looks. Hope says it's bad. In fact, it's real bad. But I believe God. See, that's hope. And you need to understand that today. Amen. That's hope. And that's where Abraham was because Abraham was promised by God to what? To be a father of many nations, right? But yet his wife, Sarah, was way beyond the childbearing years. And Abraham himself was 100 years old. And the Bible says this about Abraham in Romans 4.18. For even where, when there was no hope, no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. I love the New Century version of this verse. It says this, there was no hope that Abraham would have children. That's a bad situation. But Abraham believed God and continued hoping. Oh, I love that. I hope it speaks to your heart today. So what is real hope? Well, there are three kinds of hope. Let's discuss those today. Three kinds of hope. Number one, there is wishful hope. Wishful hope. Um, wishful hope is what most people believe when they say they're hoping for something. All right, you're late for a meeting, and you see that light that's ahead of you, and you say, I hope that light turns green. <laughs> right? You know what that is? That's not hope. That's wishful thinking. Yeah. Right? That's wishful thinking. That light is going to turn green when that light wants to turn green. Whether you're hoping or not is not going to change the fact that that'll alter the timer inside the mechanism that makes that light work. When it's time for that light to turn green, it'll turn green whether you hope for it or not. Isn't that true? So that's not hope. That's really wishful thinking, which usually and usually is a false hope. It's useless. Your friend says, I bought a lottery ticket. I hope I win. And we know how great the odds are against you winning, right? You are, you are, it's more, the odds are more in favor of you that you're going to be picked to land on the moon (laughs) than to actually win the lottery. Well, somebody says, but at least it's fun. It's true. It might be fun for some people, but you can't build your life on that kind of hope, can you? You can't build your life on wishful thinking. Amen. Then there's a second kind of hope. And the second kind of hope is expectant hope. Expectant hope. Now, this hope is much stronger and is actually biblical. And you know what? I, again, am a big fan of expectant hope, right? We know God blesses expectant people. I say on a regular basis every morning, I, I expect a miracle. I expect a new one every day. I've adopted that years ago, and so I'm, I'm a big fan of expectant hope. Absolutely. Hope says, I planted some tomato seeds, and I'm hoping for a harvest, right? And there's a reason I have an expectation of a harvest. Why? Because I did something. 
I planted seeds. So because I planted seeds, I have a reasonable expectation, right, to expect that these seeds will germinate and grow up, and eventually I'm going to have a harvest of tomatoes. Amen. That's not wishful thinking. But somebody else says, hey, I'm hoping for some tomatoes. And you say, did you plant some seeds? And they say, no. <laughs> Guess what? Again, that's wishful thinking. It's useless. It's not going to work. Right? You can hope all you want. That's not real hope. Or somebody says, I'm, I'm hoping to get out of debt. And somebody else says, well, have you applied God's financial plan in your life? Nope. Well, that's just like as ridiculous as not planting any tomato seeds, expecting to get a harvest of tomatoes. It's wishful thinking. It's not going to work. You can't get there from here. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But even though you did something, even though you planted seeds, something could go wrong. The weather might not cooperate. You go on vacation and your neighbor forgets to water your plants. Or unfortunately, insects infest your tomato plants, right? So we understand even though you did something that you now have an expectation based on what you did, sometimes our expectations just fall short. Have you found that out to be true? Well, the Bible says there's a third hope, and it's the kind of hope you can build your life upon. Anybody want to know what it is? It's called number three, certain hope. Certain hope, absolutely. Certain hope is not based on a feeling. It's not based on a mood. It's not based on your drama. It's not, it's not uh, based on just optimism alone or even expectation alone, but on knowing something for certain. There's a great Bible example of this found in Hebrews. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. The certain hope, say it with me. That's not good enough. Say it with me. Certain hope. That's better. The certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Oh, I love that verse of scripture. A certain hope. There's no doubt. There's no reservation. There's no hesitation. No what if in certain hope. Amen. I don't think I have ever thought, what if, if I don't make it to heaven? Have you ever thought that? What if I don't make it to heaven? Now, anybody that has certain hope about their salvation would never think that. I don't think that. You know why? Because the Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. You can take it to the bank. Don't ever doubt your salvation. Don't ever doubt the fact that if you said yes to Jesus, amen, that you are a child of God and you're on your way to heaven. Now, I didn't say there might be sometimes you don't feel saved or you don't act saved or you don't talk saved, right? Or maybe you're not living saved. Looks like you are. But the reality is if Jesus lives in your heart, you are. Never doubt it. You should have certain hope about your salvation. Amen? If you don't today, you need to. Don't doubt your salvation. Don't be up and down and let people and the devil convince you, oh, you didn't mean that. And if you did, you'd be living a perfect life, and that's just not true, right? So there's always something we're working out our salvation. It's a process. Thank God for that. Isn't that true? See, my entrance into heaven is a certain hope. 
Certain hope means it's sure. It's guaranteed. You can count on it. Amen. It's the kind of hope God wants you to build your life upon. Certain hope has three characteristics to it, and all three of those characteristics are found here in verse 19. It says the certain hope, say certain hope, certain hope. of being saved is strong. I love that word, strong. It's firm. It's established. It's solid. Amen. It's sturdy. It's stable. And it goes on to say, and it's trustworthy. Another great word, dependable. You can bet your life on it. And thirdly, it talks about an anchor for our souls. I know it's a trustworthy anchor to our souls, but I like these three words, strong, trustworthy, anchor for your souls. Ever thought about what's the purpose for an anchor? The Bible says hope is an anchor to your soul. How do I and why do I need hope? Well, it's been said you can go weeks without food, you can go days without water, you can go minutes without air, but you cannot go seconds without hope. You need hope every day. Without hope, you die. You've heard the statement, well, they just gave up hope. And it's true. When you give up hope, man, this life is not worth living. And even though people are telling you you're important and you're valuable and we love you and you're necessary and so forth, when you are hopeless, when you lose hope, man, there's not much that keeps you here. Yeah. It's true. And that's why there's such power in the darkness of hopelessness. Amen. Hope is an anchor for our soul. That is why we need to study hope, because you need it for an anchor for your soul for the same reason why the ship needs an anchor. The anchor to your soul is, is not money. It's not power. It's not control. Amen. It's hope. And the stronger your hope, the stronger your anchor. So what's the purpose of an anchor? Well, purpose of an anchor has two very practical purposes. And number one, hope is like an anchor because number one, it keeps the ship from drifting. It keeps the ship from drifting. Every anchor has a chain attached to it. And when it's in use and when it's embedded into the ocean floor, it stops the boat from drifting. And without an anchor, a boat or a large ship will definitely drift. And when a boat or ship drifts, it can drift into dangerous waters, yeah. right? It can drip in, drift into shallow waters and get stuck on the bottom, or even worse, it can drift into a, a, a whole set of rocks, and it can pierce the hull and take on water and, 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 and eventually capsize or, or ultimately lose its valuable cargo, or worse, the loss of life. We know how true that is, right? Have you ever noticed in this life, it's easy to drift? It really is. It's easy to drift away from God. It's easy to drift away from your church family. It's easy to drift away um, from the people that love you. It's easy to drift away from your dreams. It's easy to drift away from your friends and, and those who care deeply about you. You have to be careful because in life, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to lose sight of what's going on. And before you know it, you find yourself in a place that's not very good for you. And we are constantly drifting if we are not anchored. And any person who's ever fished, and I enjoy it, I don't get to do it enough. Um, but you know, on a beautiful sunny day, you're out there on the lake and you find the spot where 
um, the bass are biting and, and you know, you're in that spot and it's a perfect place and, and you shut the motor off and it's quiet and it's peaceful and you're, you're, you're casting over by the weeds and you're, you're wanting to catch that, that bass and, and, and you're having a good time catching fish and, and doing all the things and talking with your others that are there. Before you know it, you, you're, you can drift in unexpected waters. You really can. It's that simple. Ever been in a, in a, uh, a rubber raft out in the ocean and you're just kind of laying in the sun and it's, it's a gorgeous day and you either fall asleep or you're not paying attention. Before you know it, you could be miles from your original place. Ever been there before? Oh, I've had to walk back a long ways because you just drift. It happens. It happens in the same way with our life if we're not careful. Man, we get distracted by things. We get distracted by the moment. We get overwhelmed by situations. And if you're not careful, you can drift and you can end up in a place you never originally thought you would ever be there. You begin to drink where you said, I would never drink from that. You begin to eat from where you said, I would never eat from that. You begin to lie down in places and with people that you thought, I would never do that. And if you're not careful, we drift away from the original dream and we drift away from our original commitment. We begin to compromise and we think, well, I got to compromise myself if I want to find a husband or if I want to find a wife. And, and you drift away from your original commitments of what God spoke to you in your heart. And you begin to hang out and do things that you just know are not near as good for you. And you go through seasons and we don't see you for months because why? You've drifted away from where God is. You need an anchor. Amen. You need an anchor to your soul. That's what's missing is an anchor in your life. So number two, hope is like an anchor because it gives the ship stability in a storm. When a boat is out in the middle of the ocean and you lower that anchor, and the reason why you lower that anchor is because it reduces the pitch and roll of the storm. And the oldest anchors uh, were just rocks and they were attached to with ropes or small chains. And that was the original uh, uh, anchors that we had. And, and, and here's a, a typical anchor that we're most familiar with. That's quite an anchor, isn't it? That's an anchor to a, a destroyer or an aircraft carrier. There are several of those. And we're familiar with those because they are meant to go down and, and dig into the bedrock of the ocean floor and give it stability. And there's usually several on each side and, and uh, so that it, the boat does not drift in the current and so it can be stable when it is stationary. Now, let me show you a picture of the largest anchor in the world. Before I show you the largest anchor, let me show you the chain that's attached to that anchor. That's quite a chain. Every one of these links weighs 500 pounds. And this guy looks like a little mini Lego figure, <laughs> doesn't he? That's quite a chain. Now, what kind of anchor is attached to that chain? Well, here's one of the largest anchors in the world. Wow, 75 tons that weighs. See the, 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 the part that digs into the ground, the saw part there, and they're attaching more part of this, and here's some more Lego figures. Why am I showing you these pictures? It's very simple. The bigger the ship, the bigger your anchor needs to be. The bigger the ship, the bigger your anchor needs to be. Man, that's just so true. If you want to live a tiny, insignificant life, then fine. Be happy with your weenie anchor. 
But if you want to live a big life, a life that Jesus prepared for you, it's called an abundant life, a life that blesses others and makes a difference, you need a bigger anchor. Which begs the question today, what's the size of your anchor? Do you have a little weenie anchor? (laughs) Or is your anchor getting bigger and bigger the more you know about God? I don't know the size of my anchor. Well, let's take some inventory. Are you always moved by the drama of life? Are you up and down emotionally? Are you good one day, bad for several weeks? Um, Is there instability, insecurity, and fears and worries that really take you off in places that are not healthy to think that way? And and are you moved by people and their words? Are you moved by circumstances? And you're great when all the money's coming in, but you're falling apart when when things are tight and overwhelmed. And you're good when you're consistent with your church, and then you're bad for a while because you're inconsistent, and so you're up and down like the winds and the waves. You know what that means? you have a little tiny anchor. Can we just be honest? You have a tiny anchor. And unless that anchor grows, you'll be that way for the rest of your life. I started IFC. I was 27 years old. My wife was 26 years old. And, and man, we had this tiniest anchor. And we were kind of all over the map. And we realized that, that I, I really had to get a bigger anchor. There's really something I had to do, because you can imagine over four decades, the amount of storms we've been through, the amount of drift and roll we've been in, the amount of opportunities that we've been in, the amount of opportunities and drifting that we've had to deal with over the years. Amen. Uh, and so we, we will face multiple difficulties that last longer than we expect, and creating a sense of hopelessness in your life. It happens to us all, right? The opportunity, the temptation to feel hopeless, that's why you need an anchor to your soul. If your soul is not anchored, your soul takes over and your emotions and your intellect and your will and your all over the map takes over. And that's why we have crises Christians. You only find them in church or praying when they're in crises. When everything's wonderful, you don't see them. Wow. That's an anchor problem. You might not have ever thought of it that way, but that's an anchor problem. So the question some of you might be thinking is, where do I find this kind of anchor, right? I'm in need of a bigger anchor. I'm tired of my weenie anchor, right? I need a bigger anchor. And the truth is when we are in storms, we often look elsewhere besides the source of all hope. And we look to other people usually. We look to events that cheer us up, right? We also look to other things that deaden our pain, all of which do nothing to address right, the cause, the root cause of our hopelessness. Job lived 1,500 years before the birth of Jesus, and it was spoken, those who forget God have no hope. It was 1865. Philip Brooks, a young minister, traveled to the Holy Lands. On December 24th, he made his way, it was a perilous trip back in the day, on horseback from, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And there he participated and attended a five-hour Christmas musical praise celebration in the church of the Nativity. The reason why that's an important statement, and my wife and I have been to, Drew, been to Israel, and we visited the church of the Nativity, and why that's so significant is because it's right near where the shepherds 
heard about Jesus, where the shepherds were watching their flocks on, on that night, and Jesus was born, and they heard their first Christmas song. The impression of that starry night never left Philip Brooks. In fact, several years later, he was asked to write a hymn for the children's play in his parish. It was a Christmas Eve service, and these were the words he wrote. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above your deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. Listen, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Wow. All the way back then, he wrote words that not only applied back in the day, but also to us today. If there's ever been a set of words that touch our hearts, every one of us today, it's these. The hopes and fears of all the years. Oh man, how many years have there been hopelessness in our lives? How many years have we been bound by fear? How many years have we been tormented by the fear and feeling hopeless and, and there's just nowhere to go with hopelessness. It's not a good feeling at all. But it says, he said, our met in thee tonight. Hopes and fears are truly two common things that all of us from human, in, in, as humans that we all deal with no matter what our ethnicity, no matter what our age, no matter where we were born, we all deal with it. And the years go by with alternate degrees of one or the other or both attacking our lives. With our faith, when it's strongest, it's like we can hold on to more hope. And when our faith is weak, it never fails. We become hopeless and fear takes over and fear and hopelessness gang up on us. And it's a terrible combination. It's a, it's a terrible double-barreled shotgun when you're hopeless and you're bound by fear or you're fear and you're bound by hopelessness. It's a terrible place to be. But see, God knew this. God knew way back in the day that we would be attacked by hopelessness, that fear would try to grip us. He knew that that would be a common challenge for every human being, no matter who you are, no matter what your family upbringing would be. We would all deal with at some point in time in our lives, hope and fear. But thank God, God had a love plan. And love had a name. And love has a name. And His name is Jesus today. Amen. So God, in His great love, He sent us Jesus. And the birth of Jesus, what? Brought all the hopes and fears of all humanity together in His plan of salvation. And those of us that are in the know, we're grateful that Jesus didn't stay a baby in the manger. There's a lot of people that, would, that wish He stayed a baby in a manger. He's a lot easier to take a baby in a manger. Not intimidating. How cute. Look. Oh, they smell so good. Right? We all like the baby in the manger, but the good news is the baby grew up into be a man's man. Amen. He grew up into a man and he suffered. He shed his blood. He died for my sins, for your sins, past, present, and future. And thank God today, he didn't stay dead. He's alive and well today. Oh, thank God for Jesus today. Hallelujah. Thank God he didn't stay dead. In fact, 1 Peter tells us this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me tell you something. Certain hope is a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a passive hope. It's not a quesera hope. It's not a whatever hope. It's not a what if hope. Absolutely. It's a living hope. And those of us that have this living hope living on the inside of us, guess what? It makes us alive. Amen. You're not supposed to act like a dead person. You're supposed to act like an alive person. Amen. Amen. No matter how bad it gets, hope doesn't give up. Against hope, we believe in hope. Amen. Because there's a living hope on the inside of us. It's all because of Jesus today. It's all because of God knowing that this season especially, we needed hope. We needed an infusion of hope. So Jesus came. Our Savior came. And He didn't stay a baby and he grew up to be the savior of the world and Isaiah says and the government will be on his shoulders meaning the responsibility for our lives Amen. the desire to walk in authority and for us to have that authority in our lives his government his lordship over our lives makes us alive praise God it's a living hope given to us because of the new birth so how do we go from wishful hope to expectant hope, to certain hope. Hope that's strong, firm, and stable. Hope that's trustworthy, dependable, and you can bet your life upon it. Here's how you do it. Certain hope is not based on my wish list, but rather on God's obligation to do what He said He would do. Man, I love that. That's so true right there. That separates the weenie anchors from the big anchors. Right there, during this season, holiday season, we all have our Christmas list. Our five grandchildren have given us their Christmas list. Some of them on that list is wishful thinking. But some of it is there just hoping and praying that Papa and Grammy are going to come through with the, for them, right? You have the same thing. We all have our wish list for Christmas, uh, but oftentimes we have this wish list as children of God, oh, I wish God you'd come through for me. I wish you'd come through for my family. Uh, oh, I'm just hoping and praying. You know, I have all these needs. I, I have needs, Father. Thank you for coming through for me. And we're just hoping and praying. See, real hope is not based on the level of drama in your life. It's based on what God has spoken. Amen. What is God has spoken? See, there's one thing I've learned about what the Bible says God cannot do. There's several things that God cannot do. One of those is God cannot lie. Aren't you glad? There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And God is waiting for you to put your name on several of them. God's waiting on you to own them and say, that belongs to me. One of the things that God cannot do, God cannot deny himself. And God cannot, um, he binds himself to his own word. He says, I'll be true to my word. If I said it in my word, you can take it to the bank. You can build your life upon it. See, that's certain hope. That's a hope that won't let go. That's a hope that stands its ground. That's a hope that says, I know it's bad. It looks really bad. I hear what they're saying. I see what's going on. I know how I feel. I know what the bank account says, but I still believe in hope because I have certain hope that what God has said will come to pass. Amen. It's not about the wish list, but rather on God's obligation. God is obligated himself by his word. Amen. That's why his word is so important in your life. Small word, small anchor. Lots of word, bigger anchor. Come on, somebody. Amen. See, without hope, man, people, without 
Uh, hope in God, people flounder around. I love Hebrews 10, 23. It says this, let us hold tightly without wavering. Why do we have to hold tightly without wavering? Because we're going to be tempted to let it go. Yeah. In the pitch and roll, in the storms of life, in the drifting, and how far it depends how far we drift. If we're not careful, we'll let go. We will, we will, we will wander. We will waver. And he's telling us because he knows that. He says to us, hey, hold tight without wavering. What? To the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Oh, that's a refrigerator verse. That's a bathroom mirror verse. If I ever found one right there, I'd write that down and make sure you post that thing because that's so true. Amen. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe your parents, maybe your friends can't be trusted because they haven't kept their promise. And you wonder, is God just like that? But the good news is God cannot lie. He's not a man that he should lie. There's no variables of turning. There's no shadow of turning with God. He's the real deal. He's not in a good mood on Friday and a bad mood on Monday morning. Amen. He's a good God, and He loves us, and He cares about us. Thank God for that today. I tell you from personal experience that my wife and I, for four decades, we have held on to certain hope. When we understood the power of hope, when we understood the power of hope, it has kept us through the storms of life. It has kept us through the pitch and roll. It has kept us from the drifting seasons. Amen. And I'm grateful for certain hope. He restored our broken marriage. He gave us children and specialists said we would never have them. He preserved Verna's life when she faced a life and death experience. And he took two little imperfect Italians and put a big dream in their heart. And that dream is touching the world today. Amen. Don't tell me certain hope don't work. Amen. Let me tell you something. And he wants to divinely intervene on your behalf as well. If God will do that for the Del Turcos, he'll do it for your family. Amen. Absolutely he will. But that's certain hope. And we've stood on Jeremiah 29 11, which has enforced and backed up our certain hope. I love this in the Message Bible. I know what I'm doing. Aren't you glad somebody knows what they're doing? God says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you what? hope for, not wishful thinking, not optimistic about, not just expecting about, but you've got certain hope. The thing that you hope for, amen, God put that on the inside of you. God put that dream on the inside of you. God created in you an assignment and a purpose that's bigger than you, amen, and you are valuable, and you are important, and I implore you today to not another day let hopelessness stop you and tell you you're not valuable to us because you are. There's a place for you here at IFC. There's a family waiting for you to adopt you and to love you and consider you a brother and a sister, a family that will be there for you in through thick and thin, praise God. I love it. My last verse is Romans 15, 13. I've made myself happy three times today. I can't stand myself. I'm so happy. Romans 15, 13. Listen to this and we close. I pray that God the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace 
because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit will back up your, your hope today. A confident hope that makes you stand tall, puts a spring in your step, a song in your heart, and makes you stand up in the midst of being knocked down. You pick yourself back up again. And against hope, you believe in hope. And you stand your ground. Amen. It's an overflow. That word overflow means a filled to the brim, an abundance. It's the picture, if you look it up in the original language, it's a picture of somebody holding a full cup and they have to lean over to take a sip because they can't, they can't tilt it because it'll spill. Filled to the brim. That's the kind of hope God wants you to have. Amen. And when you're filled to the brim, you spill. And overcoming hope, confident hope, certain hope is contagious. Your neighbors look at you and think, what? How are you doing this? How are you handling all this? How are you? I know what's going on. I don't know the whole story, but how in the world are you doing this? See, contagious hope, the darker it gets, the more contagious it becomes. I love that today. Certain hope is the birthright of the follower of Christ. It is your birthright. It is the fundamental belief. Listen very carefully. It is the fundamental belief that tomorrow will be better than today. Amen. Your tomorrow will be better than today. How do I know? I can confidently say because of certain hope. And it's not optimism. It's not wishful thinking. It's not hoping and praying. It is absolutely take it to the bank. Because that's the kind of God you serve. Let me tell you something. Love has a name. What's that name today? Say a little louder. Jesus. Jesus. Absolutely. What was our big takeaway? What was I want you to go home with today? When life becomes hopeless to you, what or who do you turn to? You're going to turn to Jesus today. You're going to turn to love that has a name. Not only in the holiday season, but all year round, especially now, like never before, we're going to hold on to Jesus and we're not letting go. Amen. And we're going to stand our ground because there's power in certain hope. There's power in the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Come on, stand your ground today. Come on, give him praise this morning, this afternoon. Come on, lift up your voice. Thank you, Father. Oh, we're grateful for the power of hope today. Oh, come on, bless him today. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bless you today. Lord, our hearts are open to you. We're so glad we came to church. We're so glad that those of you that joined online today, whether you're at work or at home, wherever you are, thank you for joining us today. But with every head bowed, the only way to get to an anchor is first you have to have Jesus in your heart. Before you can ever have an anchor in your soul, you need Jesus in your heart. I want to make sure today that Jesus lives in your heart. Once Jesus lives in your heart, the potential of an anchor that ever grows and increases and becomes heavier and more effective is a reality in your life. Do you know him today? Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Savior? What an amazing Christmas gift that we get to unwrap today. It'd be a shame to leave this gift unwrapped, leave it wrapped 
and not unwrap it. It would be the worst possible thing for you. I want to make sure Jesus lives in your heart today, whether you're in the room or joining us online today. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for those of you who need Jesus today, not to embarrass you or even to ask you to come forward because we're not going to do either one of those things. But I want you intentionally to make up your mind. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want that fundamental belief in my heart that tomorrow will be better than today. That's all because of Jesus today. Pastor, I need my sins forgiven. I want heaven to be my home. I want to turn my life around. I want a brand new start. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. And if that's you, Pastor, saying, Pastor, pray for me, please. Will you raise your hand nice and high today? Say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus today. Anybody like that today in our third service? You indeed might all be believers today, but you'll say, Pastor, I'm ready to have certain hope in my life. Yes, thank you. Thank you, ushers. I see that hand. Thank you. Over there, yeah, thank you. I see it. God bless you. Yeah, over here, thank you. Yes, God bless you. That light is bright. Thank you. I see it back there. Who else? Yes, over here. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those three or four hands over there. God bless you. Thank you. Good for you. Anybody else today? Yeah, thank you, sir. Raise it up high today. You can put your hand down. Man, I'm, I, I want to know so. Thank you. Good for you. God bless you. I want to know so. I want to make sure my sins are forgiven. And certain hope. I want my anchor. I see it. God bless you. I want my anchor of my soul to be in place today. Nothing worse than being anchorless or having an ineffective anchor. It's time for change in our lives. Anybody else before I pray today? Then as I pray, I also want to pray for those of you who say, I'm ready for a bigger anchor. I didn't even realize I was in need of an anchor. But I'm not happy with my anchor. I want, a, I want a stronger anchor. I want, a, I want more stability in my life. I want to make sure that, that I'm strong and stable and, 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 and something I can build my life upon. I'm done being tossed to and fro and being hopeless one day and having hope the next. And I want to make sure that I have certain hope in my life. If that's you, raise your hand today. Yeah, all the, there's a lot of us. I, I, I get it. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. God bless each one of you. Let's all pray this prayer together, please. Join us online, please. Say it with me. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. I denounce my past, and I want to live for you. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I receive by faith salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. I make up my mind today. I want a bigger anchor. Thank you for your word in my life. I need an anchor to my soul. And I want your plan working in my life. I will no longer live in hopelessness. But I will live in certain hope from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Come on, give God praise today. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, check out intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on Instagram. Our mission statement at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. 
Thanks again for listening.